And then the second concept of home is something that I love talking about, but it's also kind of a bit of a head scratcher because it's a really uh, tricky concept for me being from so many different places and growing up in so many different places, uh, which include Nigeria, Namibia, the Netherlands, uh, London, and then for the last uh, sort of half a decade or so, I've been in Latin America, uh, bobbing between Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, and Panama. Hello there, and welcome back to My Most Authentic Life. I'm your host, Fede Vargas. It's a gorgeous morning in Toronto as I'm recording this. A beautiful day as we change seasons from summer to fall. And for those in the Southern Hemisphere, from winter to spring. In my head, I've been trying to call this episode the launch of the fall season. I think that has to do with my upbringing in this hemisphere, obviously, and probably my years working in the media industry and how we position show launches around the fall, and how historically this has been one of the busiest times of my life, gearing up for a major sales convention, the biggest sales convention in my industry that I attended every October for many years. But one of the ideas proposed by today's guest, Rosie Bell, is what if you could live a life not anchored by seasons? She's taken winter completely out of her equation. And that triggers a discussion about our concept of home and how we design our lives. The concept of home has also been a head-scratcher for me over the years. I'm born in Mexico, raised in Canada. I've lived in Europe for four years. Now I'm living back in Mexico. Like I said, I'm recording this episode in Toronto, a city where I have so much history and deep roots. It's my first visit back to Canada in three years. In over five years since I uprooted my life and relocated to Europe. So the concept of home has been top of mind. And I'm keen for you to listen to Rosie Bell's story, her insights and reflections. She's a champion of a freedom-based lifestyle, which for me is a key component to living authentically. And home is just one of many topics we'll discuss in today's interview. I am so happy to welcome independent travel writer, location-independent mentor, author, and freedompreneur, Rosie Bell. Welcome to the podcast, Rosie. Thank you so much for having me, Fede. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and so lovely to see you again. Yeah, lovely to see you again as well. And uh, before we get into anything else, I want to know where in the world is Rosie Bell, because I think that should be like an app. Or a fun game, because of course, being a travel writer, Rosie goes to the most beautiful and exotic places on the planet. And it's interesting that it's a question that's coming up more and more with other guests, because even with Instagram, I can't keep up with their travels. So where in the world is Rosie Bell? Today, I am speaking to you from beautiful Barcelona, where I have spent much of this summer, actually. I came here for four days in July for my birthday, and I'm still here three months later. So uh, yes, and I'm here surrounded by some lovely other uh, nomad friends that I met in Mexico, where we also met. Yes, exactly. And that's a great segue. So we met in a beautiful coastal beach town called Playa del Carmen. Uh, Many of you probably know exactly where it is, but it is right between Cancun and Tulum, uh, right at the beach. What was your experience like over there and what circumstances brought you there? It was a very special time for me because it was at the height of the pandemic and people from so many different walks of life congregated, but we're all kind of on the same page as well. What was that experience like for you? Uh, thank you so much, Fede. Uh, Playa was amazing because it's actually been the best nomad community I have found 
as of yet. I have been a nomad for quite a few years now, and I've gone to some of those very big popular nomad hubs, but I never felt quite as at home as I did in Playa. The community was just unrivaled, and I somewhat also found myself there by accident. A lot of my places that have become home, I found I ended up there by accident, but that's a story for later. Um, but Playa, my friend, a really good friend from Panama, invited me to join her there in 2020. Um, and I, I needed to escape winter in London desperately because my life manifesto is I no longer do winter. Um, and I was in London where I had been repatriated during the pandemic because, you know, we all know what happened in March of 2020. I'm sure no one wants to talk about that anymore. And my friend invited me there. She said, hey, it's beautiful. The beaches are incredible. There's great community, amazing food. I mean, hello, Mexican food. Um, and so I, I went there in 2020 and I've basically been, Playa has been home since then. You've said two words there that I really connect with and that have definitely been a part of my Playa experience, community and home. What does community and what does home mean to you? I'll start with community. Community is um, extremely important as a location independent or as a nomad because nomad is an island. Um, I'm very much a, a solitary worker, even though because I, when I write, I really do need focus. But in the places I live, I found that I am the happiest when I have a thriving community of people around me who have similar lifestyles, be it that they work for themselves, they have their own companies, and that they're also location independent. We could all just say, hey, do we want to go to Brazil for Rio Carnival next month? Sure, let's do it. Why not? Nothing is stopping us. We're not tied to anything. And I feel like that location independence lifestyle feeds into a different type of mindset. There's a certain openness and adaptability that I have found. So community for me is very important. I think actually that's very important for most nomads because one of the downsides of this lifestyle is loneliness. Um, because you're working by yourself. If you have your own company, you're not going into the office. You don't have colleagues. Maybe there's no Christmas party. You don't have those opportunities to hobnob as you typically would. So you have to go out and find that, Where whether it's meetups or co-working spaces or, yeah, or just groups or sports activities. So the community is exceptionally important for, uh, for us nomads. And then the second concept of home is something that I love talking about, but it's also kind of a bit of a head scratch because it's a really uh, tricky concept for me being from so many different places and growing up in so many different places, uh, which include Nigeria, Namibia, the Netherlands, uh, London, and then for the last uh, sort of half a decade or so, I've been in Latin America, uh, bobbing between Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, and Panama. So uh, whenever the World Cup comes along, it's a little bit of a tricky, tricky time. And I, I have about four different teams I support. No one gets it. I don't even get it. <laughs> but the most important thing for where I feel at home is, is I find that it's always somewhere warm. Wherever it's warm, wherever the water is, I just, I really thrive by the water. Um, I, it's like a safety thing. I just like knowing it's there. It also feeds into a different uh, mindset, you know, in those, those places where the, you know, the mercury is just a little bit higher. Uh, you just, you just feel a little bit more free and you're not bogged down by layers of clothing and you don't have to live in fear of when it's going to get cold because it never gets cold. And that's exactly how I live to like to live my life. It's my preferred life ingredient warmth. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny, I grew up in Canada. I'm back as we're recording this interview. I'm back in, in Toronto where I grew up. Uh, 
and I've been uh, there's I'm not going to have another winter here. I've decided <laughs> September is the it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But yeah, so I really connect with uh, the idea of warmth for sure. In a previous conversation, you also describe yourself as a water baby and you just mm-hmm. kind of alluded to that. But elaborate on that as well. Uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm absolutely a water baby. I like to be near the water, not necessarily even in the water. I just like to know it's there nearby. It's like a, it's like a comfort thing. For instance, in Panama City, in Panama, because of course there's Panama City in Florida as well, uh, in Panama City, Panama, where I lived for a couple of years, flitting between there and a group of islands on the Caribbean coast of Panama, in the capital, there isn't actually a a beach. It's along a beautiful bay, but it's definitely not swimmable. Um, But even though there isn't actually a beach in the capital, I see the water every single day. You know, you drive by this beautiful boulevard to get anywhere you want to go between the old town and the new town and there's just something so comforting about that for me um and i i guess i i'm from london it's the longest place i've ever lived and i just thrive better in places that you know where a beach escape is just a hop skip and away that's where i thrive best that's amazing rosie and such a great approach now i'd love for you to share your really incredible personal story a story that's taken you from Nigeria to Namibia to Holland to London. Uh, Please tell us how this incredible past has shaped your present and how it's given you the ability to displace so easily. Thank you, Bede. Oh, I love that question. Um, well, my father, my father is Nigerian. My mom is, is Nigerian and English, and my father was a Nigerian diplomat. So for his work, we often had to go um, from one place to another. So we'd be in Nigeria for a year, few years, then we'd go abroad. So that's why I lived in Namibia. That would be my Namibian connection. And then when I was uh, just before my teenage years, he was posted to Holland. Um, so that's sort of like where I grew up. And that's why I have this very deep emotional affinity to the Netherlands. Um, essentially, but every four to five years, we moved somewhere new. So going somewhere or traveling is part and parcel of my upbringing, of my identity, actually. Um, it w- there was always an expectation that, you know, you'll be somewhere new in a couple of years. So immerse yourself now, learn the language, make friends, but, you know, we're going to be moving somewhere else. And there's so much beauty to that, but I think actually in a way uh, it's made me very restless where, you know, if I'm somewhere too long, I I, I I don't actually view anywhere as a permanent home. There's also just so much more of the world that I want to see. And again, another luxury of this lifestyle is because you you just build up friends everywhere. So, you know, if I go back to The Hague, if I go back to Holland, I've got friends there. I have friends in all through Latin America. Some have gone to Asia now, as, as you know, which are very lots of big nomad cities in Asia as well. Um, but yeah, home and identity and travel, these are, these are just very interesting concepts which I've been discussing and thinking about my whole life. Uh, when I went to school in Holland, all, I was in an international school, so all of my friends were from everywhere and they have now gone on to go and live in different places too. So I think actually this nomad lifestyle that I now live is somewhat a kind of more grown-up extension of the way I grew up as a child with my father's job. I always knew that I want to travel to be part of my life in a real way, in a real way. I just didn't know how to make that happen. So I'm actually so utterly grateful that this is actually more of a widespread 
thing that people are doing now and people are designing and building their lives this way. And, you know, it's, it's so much, it's so much easier to do this now than maybe 10 years ago when I actually was thinking about this, when I was wondering, okay, I know I'm not happy in London, but how can I actually get out of London and go and live in these beautiful places that I want to go to without having a job that will take me there or having to, you know, meet someone and get married and get that citizenship or, you know, what whatever way it is to actually move to a country. I didn't actually know how to do it, but I knew I wanted to do it. I knew that I I wasn't happy in London, uh, definitely not in my corporate job, which uh, we can go into, dive into a little bit more later. Um, but I I knew I wasn't happy in London, but I didn't know how to actually make the leap. Um, and I, I tried. I, you know, I I called up the. I remember the first place I wanted to go to was Aruba. So I called up, I think, some company or the Minister of Tourism, and they said, "Nope, you can only move here if you're a Dutch or if you have Dutch citizenship, and that's the only way." And I was like, "Huh? I didn't know about border jumps, and there were no nomad visas. There was nothing like that. There was no Wi-Fi tribe or remote year or hacker paradise. None of these groups." travel programs that are really game-changing for nomads, for remote work, for finding community on the road and discovering the world simultaneously, those companies didn't exist. So I'm actually so happy and excited for people who are actually just now starting to design their lives around freedom because there's so much more choice for them available. So cool that you've been able to design your life around freedom. And it's something that would not have been possible without... Uh, you taking the bold and brave step earlier in your life uh, to leave the corporate rat race to get off the hamster wheel. What was the motivation behind that? And how did you escape the rat race? Okay, so this story is uh, uh, yeah, an interesting story. So um, I used to work in advertising. It was sort of my my goal, my dream to work in an ad agency and not just any ad agency. I wanted to work for one of the top ad agencies in London. Um, and straight out of university, I managed and I got my dream job. I couldn't believe my luck. I was on holiday in, in Hawaii and I got an email your dream agency would like to interview you next week. Are you available? And I was like, yes. And then I actually came back early from Hawaii to come to London for the interview and I got the job. And I got the job because I was so well-versed. I This was something I wanted so much because I knew, I always knew ever since I was a child, I knew I wanted to be creative, um, but I, I just didn't know what way to do it. And actually my first dream job was being a writer. I wanted to be a writer when I was eight, nine years old, but people said, oh, that's not a real job. You know, you'll never, you know, being a writer isn't a real job. You can't be CEO of writing or, you know, vice president of writing. So, you know, just find, find something real, a real career career path. So I thought, you know what, actually advertising is the next best thing because you you know it's kind of a fun environment. You can wear whatever you want because I knew that I was never going to be wearing any corporate suits to do anything. Like I already knew that. Um, and it's pretty flexible. There's variation because you could be working on like Kleenex this morning and then an alcohol brand in the evening and then a travel company later next week. It was, you know, it it was it had a lot of allure for me. So I did all the research. I got my dream job. And then a few weeks, actually, a few weeks in, I realized it was actually my nightmare. Um, the industry was just, I feel like it was very competitive. The, the kind of people that it attracted, it was hyper competitive. People competed over anything. Like, oh, I, I got into work 15 minutes earlier than you. And oh, I made more cups of tea for the team this week. Um, yeah, that's great. I, I, 
I'm happy to make tea for myself. Like, I don't, I don't care about the tea. I'm just here to do my job. And the commute, I didn't like the commute either. There was enforced socializing. Um, the working hours were crazy. It was really like a nine to nine. Like nine was early, actually. So if I got off at nine, it was like, woohoo, half day. Wow. Um, and I actually only lasted a year in my corporate job because I actually developed health problems. Um, I had heart palpitations. I had lots of other things which are not so pleasant and definitely we don't need to get into. But yeah, I developed health problems and actually without a new job to go to, without a clue of what to do, I actually just quit. And everybody said I was crazy because this was such a prestigious company. And, you know, I got it straight out of university as well when a lot of my friends were still finding their feet. They hadn't even found their first, um, you know, post-university jobs. And here I was in this very cushy position, which I apparently wasn't appreciating but I just felt so miserable. I felt like what I was doing was absolutely pointless. And actually, I came across recently a study uh, in the UK. I think it's something like 35% of people in the UK find their jobs absolutely pointless. Um, I was one of them. <laughs> so I just, um, I was I was deeply unhappy. And I just, I didn't really know what it was I wanted because I'd never actually really asked myself that question before. Up until that point, I'd never asked myself, what did I, what did I really truly want and need out of my life. I never asked myself those questions. How long ago was that, that, um, that you, that you were able to make that transition? That was in 2011. So I've not had a corporate job since 2011. Well, good for you. You were one of the pioneers or early settlers. Well, I'm not sure which one's the first. <laughs> I mean, I'm not being very crap, but you were either a pioneer or an early settler. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess so. Um, but I, I, because I didn't actually know what to do from there. So I, my mother encouraged me to actually go uh, back to school. And I did my master's just to kind of take that time to have, you know, be out of the, the you know, employment, but have some time to think. And during my master's program, I realized, okay, I know this already. I will never be happy working for somebody else. It's just not something I want. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I realized that that early, at least for me. That's not what works for me. I know it does for some people, but it does not work for me. Um, it does not bring me joy. And so actually after that, after my master's program, which was in a branding, was a branding program in a sociology department, which was very interesting, I realized I wanted to start my own company. But I didn't know what in because advertising was all I knew. And I had to sort of start from scratch and ask myself those questions. Okay, what do you enjoy? Where would you like to be? Where do you want to live? What do you like? Who are you? What do people expect from you? Just, you know, self-reflection, actually go diving in and probing. I had never done that before in, in my entire life. Um, and then I realized, okay, I'm going to start my own company. And I started a swimwear brand, which I ran... Uh, for about four years. I ran that for about four years. I was London-based, but I started a swimwear brand because I loved swimwear. I was always obsessed with the tropical lifestyle. And even at that point, I had about 100 bikinis, despite living in London, where there's no beaches. So um, I just thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. I became a master of research. I taught myself everything and I, I, I started my company and I did everything by myself. I ran that for about four years. Um, and one of the reasons why swimwear appealed to me or fashion appealed to me, because I thought, oh, I can design swimwear from anywhere in the world. But I actually realized 
the more the reality of having a fashion brand is you do need a physical location at some point, whether that's, you know, a place where PRs associate you as being from or where your manufacturers where things get sent to uh, your samples, you know, you have a physical product. So you at some point need a physical location to an extent. So I actually did that for four years. I realized fashion was not for me, but then the part that I enjoyed the most was actually blogging, was actually writing, doing the content marketing for my fashion brand. And then, so when I went to Panama one year, I actually just took a year off again to just engage in self-reflection and see what I wanted. And moving to Panama was actually such a blessing because Panama is such a, it's a small country. And a friend sent me a link for a company that was looking for writers that lived in Panama. I applied, I got it, and I got paid. And I thought, wait a second, I can get paid to write about my travels? This could be something. And the rest is history. Incredible. What an incredible story that goes back to your childhood and all the diverse places that you have lived. And then having this hands-on experience with the nightmare that was the corporate world and the rat race for you. So I can see now, I can hear the foundation that leads to you exploring a freedom-based lifestyle. And now you have been doing it for a while. So now I want to get into how do we inspire? What resources, what advice do people need to design their lives around freedom? I think it's it may sound a little bit almost too easy, but the first thing is to ask yourself what you need. What do you actually need out of life? What do you want out of life? What what do you want your life to look like? What are your desired life ingredients? Thank you, Rosie. That's a very strong question for all of us to consider. What are your desired life ingredients? Something to think about. Now, we've just started to scratch the surface on this interview, so we're going to continue our chat with Rosie on October 5th. She'll share her life ingredients, as she just mentioned, and we'll unpack so much more, including the attainability of this nomadic lifestyle, how to downsize your lifestyle. We'll talk about Rosie's book, Escape to Self, look at her new projects, and we'll even get her to prioritize her connection to all of those World Cup teams. Who does she root for? Here's a brief preview of the next interview. Not everybody will necessarily want the same things, but I think you have to ask yourself the questions like, what, what, what makes you happy? What are you unhappy with now? If, if you had to look back at your, at your life that you've lived so far, where, where have you been the most satisfied? What would you like to change? I think we need to ask ourselves these sort of temperature checking questions um, and then create and create our life goals, create our life ingredients. It's, I think it's like, you know, if you're baking a cake, what like and you want to make the most delicious beautiful cake that is your life like what ingredients are going into that and for me you know as i mentioned before like i need the warmth uh i just don't thrive in in cold places and i i definitely have seasonal affect disorder sad um, as many people may know it as um so it, you know when i whenever i was in london i sort of was in this cycle of enjoying the summers but sort of living in fear until the winter and so now i've just eradicated winter from my life entirely i just don't do it anymore it's for me. It's not good for my mental health. It's not good for my work. I'm not as good of a friend if I am not, if I am not well myself. So these are the way that I, I build my and fortify myself um, with by adding all these ingredients that I love into my life. I'd say that's that's what people should do first. Ask yourself the questions. What do you desire? What do you need? Can't wait to continue the chat on October 5th. So pin the podcast, pin the date. And we'll see you on that date for the continuation of this interview. 
Meanwhile, we have uh, some special programming coming up for the next episode. This podcast would literally not be possible without the upcoming guest. The incredible woman that brought me into this world, my mom, is turning 65. So the next episode will be all about my mother. If you have a question that you would love to ask my mom, send me a DM, send me a WhatsApp. I would love to include it in the podcast. That's today's episode. If you're finding value in this podcast, please give us a rating and a review and continue to share on your social media. I would really appreciate it and it really does help grow the algorithm. Until the next episode, have an amazing day. Thank you for listening and keep on living. Time on. Time on.